0: Early in the morning, he came again into the temple. All the people came unto him. He sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act Juicy stuff. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But, you know, what do you have to say about that? This, they said, tempting him. That they might have something to accuse him with. Jesus stoops down and with his finger root on the ground as as though he heard them not. When they continued asking him, he, he, he stood up and he said... He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. He stoops down again and starts writing on the ground. When they heard it, (laughs) convicted by their own conscience, I guess so, went out one by one from the oldest to the youngest. Jesus was left alone with the woman. Apparently, even his Bible study class left because they probably had sin in their life too. (laughs) When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said, woman, where are your accusers? Is no one going to condemn you? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Well, I'm not going to condemn you either. Go thy way and sin no more. So my subject for you to consider today will simply be entitled On the Other Side of Excuses. So if you have a good attitude, you can sit down. I've had some interesting things happen in our Bible class through the year through the years years ago we had just moved into the building and uh, I was teaching a series of Bible studies called Lostology basically it was about soul winning and my subject that night was they're lost but they're not stupid and I always had a a visual example, something I used through those classes. So when I announced my text that night, a guy walks in the back door with a sheet on. I didn't know he was. Everybody else thought he was my visual example. I was not on a platform, I was standing down there. He whips the sheet off and he's naked as the day he was born And he comes running up that center aisle saying, Jesus sent me here to bring the blood. One of our good men reacted and hit him in the throat. (laughs) He's laying on the ground there going. (laughs) All the old ladies are violated. We're throwing jackets on him like a Spanish matador, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So they come and take him away. Everybody's kind of in shock. I said, I'm going to rename my Bible study because he was lost and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't imagine. You're in the middle of Bible study, and all of a sudden these guys drag in this woman that's hurriedly trying to button up her blouse. <clears throat> we caught her right, right in the act. You know what the law says? The law says we're supposed to stone her. Not exactly. This is what the law says. And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. Last time I checked, it's pretty hard to commit adultery by yourself. Being the kind and merciful, fair men that they were, they thought it far more important to drag this unfortunate woman in front of him and to leave the man off the hook. Truth is, they weren't concerned with the woman. They're trying to catch him. They're trying to get him to say something, anything, that they could possibly bring charges against him. I was teaching in a conference somewhere between the North Pole and the South Pole, and I made a statement that I knew was controversial, but considering my crowd, they should have understood exactly what I was saying. When I got done, I went to walk off the platform, and there were two elders standing there ready to fillet me. Remember that Vegematic thing when you were a kid? Slices and dices, 17 different ways? That's what was fixing to happen to me. And Anthony Mangan got between me and those elders and just looked out into nowhere and said, and there were men there to catch him in his words. And he walked away. And they disappeared. They're doing their best to catch him. He's riding in the dirt. Just ignores him. Boy, I don't suppose anything bugs people more than when you just ignore them. They keep on jabbering. (laughs) He said, okay. Whoever there is here that doesn't have any sin in your life, you start throwing kneels down and writes again. I always wondered what he wrote in the dirt. I always wondered if he didn't write last Saturday, 9 p.m. at the no-tell motel while your wife was out of town. And guys All I know is Interestingly enough, starting at the oldest, who obviously had been doing the most sinning to the youngest, who were still rather new and fresh at it, they all disappear. Convicted by their own conscience. He looks up and he says, okay, where'd everybody go? And she said, there's nobody left. And he said, well, I'm not going to accuse you. Go And sin no more. How? Let me give you a little Bible lesson about the Bible. There's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament. The Old Testament primarily is dealing with what's known as the law of Moses. Ten commandments. Now it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, scholars agree and I'm sure not a scholar but I do read what they write scholars agree there are 613 laws in the Old Testament if you've ever been around Orthodox Jews they have this blue and white prayer shawl it's called a thesis it's got these tassels on each corner it's not just random decoration and ornamentation. These tassels are made from 613 threads. One for every law in the Old Testament. What was the purpose of the law? This is what it says in Galatians 3 and verse 24. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus. Now, back then, they didn't have schoolhouses like we do today. They had a man known as a schoolmaster. He would go into a part of town. He would get all the kids together and basically say, um, <clears throat> we're going to have school down by the river today. Or we're going to have it you know, over by this garden, or we're going to do it by this building. His job was to get everybody to the place where the lesson was going to be taught. That's the purpose of the law, to bring us to Jesus. Because the law, you know, yeah, I've heard people talk about the will of God, the will of God, the will of God. I've heard that phrase all my life, and it's like voodoo, you know, some deep, dark, mystical secret, the will of God. It's really pretty simple. The will of God is you need to be in the church. Last will and testament. You got an old testament, you have a new testament. What was the last thing that Jesus said? I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is Jesus telling us his will. The book of Acts. See, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John said, I'm going to have a church. The book of Acts is how you get in that church. You got to be born into it. Everything after the book of Acts will teach you how to stay in the church. Because you can get out of church. Not just out of the building. I'm talking out. You know, there's this theory. Once you're saved, you're always saved. I wish it was true. It's not true. All you have to do is read the first story in the Bible. (laughs) They're in the garden. They get booted out. That doesn't sound like unconditional eternal security to me. Sounds to me like conditional security. You do what I say and I'll let you stay. (laughs) Jesus said, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. A lot of people start. It's kind of like the military. Years ago, they had the draft. You get called. Just because you get drafted, don't mean you're in the military. You have to pass the physical. You have to be chosen. And then just because you're in the military doesn't mean you you get an honorable discharge. There's general discharges, there's dishonorable discharges. That's why the Bible said when he's coming back, those that are with him are called, chosen, faithful. you got to finish strong. You just can't start this thing. The Bible said you put your hand to the plow and look back. You're not fit for the kingdom. It shows us his mercy because a lot of us have turned around. But he could very easily say, I don't, I don't want you. And, and what, I, what I want you to understand is when you, when you deal with 613 rules... There's a word called minutia, fine detail. He told these people exactly what he wanted. I mean, down to what to eat. And even though they knew exactly what he wanted, they had a hard time doing it. Because that's the purpose of the law. The law requires righteousness, but it can't produce it if you study Romans chapter 8, for what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh. Some of it is animal. Those sacrifices didn't wash nothing away. It just like a bulldozer, just pushed it ahead for another year. That's why when you deal with Ephesians and Corinthians and it talks about what he did on the cross, do you realize (laughs) he's got all this They let a guy down through the roof one time. He's semi-comatose. It says he saw their faith. This guy can't even have faith. He's not even with it. But Jesus let their faith dictate the healing that day. And this is what he said. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Ladies and gentlemen, I've taught you for years. There's only one legal liquid that can deal with sin, and that's blood. We don't have no Calvary yet. Jesus just added to his own cup. Remember that cup he drank? In it? That's what it says, I, if this is possible, let this cup pass from me. What it's meaning is, he's got a, I read something one time. It it's like taking a 13-year-old girl and, and, and selling her as a prostitute. Take something pure and innocent and just bury it and immerse it in the filthiest environment you can think of. Here's Jesus who never did anything wrong. He that knew no sin was made sin for us. He never killed anybody, but he, he became a murderer. He never molested anybody, but he, he became the molester. Took those handwriting of ordinances that were given, nailed it to his cross, triumphing over it. Hmm. You want to, They know who killed Jimmy Hoffa, the big Detroit mystery. Why hasn't anybody ever been prosecuted? There's no body. They can't find Jimmy Hoffa. If they could have found him, I mean, they've dug up swimming pools in Clinton Township. They, 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 they tore a house apart a, a couple years ago in, in Bloomfield, hoping to find some blood in the floorboards. And they did. They did the DNA. Guess what? Wrong DNA. And On and on it goes. They can't find a body. Listen to the scripture in the book of Colossians. Our life is hid with God in Jesus. I, I remember I was a kid. And uh, my dad gave me this dog. Beagle dog. And, and we, it was little. It wasn't full grown. But, but hunting season came. And my, I still remember my dad kicked over this. This bucket. This old tar bucket. And it, had, it was all rusted, and the rabbit was living in a bucket. And, and he kicked that bucket, and the rabbit took off. Well, the dog was so little, I had him in a pack in a back. He said, take him out. Let's see what he can do. And I put this little dog on the ground, that tail starts going. Tum, 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 tum. All of a sudden, he goes. And just takes off. No, 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 no dog school. No training. Just instinctive. And my dad said, okay, here's what's going to happen. Rabbit's going to run in a circle. You get up. You go down here by the edge of this field. I'll get up on the top of this hill. He said, one of us is going to get to see this rabbit. Okay. So I can hear this dog getting further and further away. Stops. All of a sudden, about five minutes later, he said, he jumped him. He's coming back. He said, now get ready. Rabbit's going to be way ahead of the dog. I'm just a little kid, man. I'm bored out of my mind. And I'm, I'm by a freshly plowed cornfield. Dog's in the next county. All of a sudden, I see a disembodied set of ears go. It was, so, it was down in the rows, but it's... And the gun's bigger than me. And I just wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Grab the rabbit, put it in the bag. It was so cute. You know? The dog finally comes on the edge of the field. And he runs past where the rabbit died. And he goes, oh. And he looked at me. And he made a half moon and he went back and he picked up the trail again. And he, or, 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 and he goes past where I shot the rabbit and it's, he just stops. And he looks at me and my dad said, what'd you do with the rabbit? I said, it's in the bag. He said, show the dog the rabbit. So I pull the rabbit out, throw it on the ground. Dog's like, you know, Napoleon. that's my mental model of what happened when you got baptized david talks about the hounds of bashan that i think this is what happened i think it's like satan is chasing you or life is hid with Christ. (laughs) See, Satan's got a problem. There's no body. Jesus died, paid the penalty for sin, and then resurrected. But he paid the penalty for our sin. So that's why we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's like Jesus gets Alzheimer's. I've read all these books all my life, how to remember stuff. I've never read a book on how to forget. But Jesus, you get this? There's three words in the English vocabulary that wouldn't be there if there wasn't God. Omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscience or omniscience. Omni means all, so he has all power. He spans all three time space relations, past, present, future at the same time. And he knows everything. No, he don't. He forgot my past. I I remember my past, but he doesn't. He views me. Remember that song? He sees me through the blood, claims me as I am. (laughs) That blood was on the mercy seat. The law's in the box. But God is viewing the law through the filter of the blood. And when he looks at you and me, <laughs> I tell you what he sees Redeemed. Redeemed. <laughs> and Satan's going, How can I prosecute? I got no I got no stiff. I got no body. I'm a new creation. I'm not who I used to be. It's, it's, just, it's just powerful, powerful truth. But listen, this is John 7, 37, 38, 39. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive. Watch. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, if you know your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all end with the same story. He dies, he resurrects, he leaves. You gotta, you gotta wait, I don't know, 60 years to get the end of this story? Because John is on Patmos, which is the Alcatraz of his day, and he hears this voice. that says, I'm alpha, omega, beginning, end, first, last. He said, I turned to see who was talking to me. And this is what he said. He was like the son of man. Now, Jesus wears two hats. He's the God man. Okay. He can walk by water. He can walk on top of water. He's not just a man. Okay. He gets hungry just like any man. But he can make bread and fish, multiply. He He's the God man. That's why in the Bible, he's son of man and son of God. That's the, that's the answer to blasphemy. Jesus said, say a word against the son of man and it'll be forgiven you. But say a word against the son of God and it won't be forgiven you. He's talking about himself. And what he's saying is to many of you right now, I'm just this guy from Nazareth. But when I go in that ground and I come back alive and you still think I'm just a guy from Nazareth, shame on you. Because I'm more than a man. I'm God in flesh. You got that? I mean, they, 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 he's teaching one day and they said, your wife or your mother, your wife, <laughs> your, your mother and your brothers and sisters are with, they're outside. And he said, who oh, is my mother and my brother? But whoever hears the word of the Lord and does it, which means, it's Matthew 13 Matthew will find. It's like 54 and 55. Are not these his sisters, plural? Are not these his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? People have taught the blessed holy family, Mary, Joe, and Jesus. Wrong. It's not three. It's at least nine. You got Mary and Joe, two. Jesus is three. Sisters, plural, at least two. Five. James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, nine. And he could have had more than two sisters. So the blessed holy family in numbers nine. Don't forget that. But here's the deal. James didn't follow him doing his earthly ministry. But the first fight in the New Testament church is in Acts 15. James stood and answered. Brethren, Simeon Peter here, Simon has declared how God at the first did visit the, who's the, there's at least four James in the Bible. All the scholars agree this is the half brother of Jesus. He's the bishop of the church in Jerusalem. You know what that means? That means after Jesus resurrected, he slid up beside, he said, mom always said you was different. And I never did believe it till now. Rabboni, <laughs> my Lord, my God, you're not just my brother. You're something amazing. So he's in the church. And, and, and it's just, I've taught you for years about the, the feast, Leviticus 23. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, tabernacle. This is, this is feast number seven. This is September, okay? The, the, now, there's lots of synagogues, but there's only one temple. It's kind of like the Mormon faith. The biggest deal in the Mormon faith is you get to go in a temple. It's right out of the Old Testament. The biggest deal back then, three times every year, all the men had to come to the temple. It's September. It's a seven to ten day feast. They're done. Priest goes, gets a silver pitcher, goes to the pool of Siloam, dips this pitcher out, comes out to the outer court, pours it on the ground, significant of we're pouring ourselves, we're emptying ourselves out before you. And then they're going home. Now, one verse said he will not cry nor strive, but he breaks precedent because they're coming out of the temple. They're coming out of last mass of the year, last Church service of the year. This is going to last them seven months. They're not coming back till April. All right? And he says, are you still thirsty? Huh? Did that, did, how'd that, how'd that, how'd that go for you in there? Huh? That dude did all that stuff, poured that water on the ground. Did it scratch where you itch? Are you still thirsty? Well, let me tell you a difference. What you did in there, that's empty you. What I do, I fill you. He that comes unto me and drinks. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not given, because Jesus wasn't glorified yet. He said, "We don't even hear about the glorified Christ till Revelation one, when John said his hair was white like wool, his eyes were were like just like lanterns, his his tongue was like a two-edged sword." It was like he was wrapped in gold. His feet was like melting brass. He, he said his voice like... Bruh. That's the glorified Christ. That's the little snapshot that he saw in Matthew 17 when he took Peter, James, and John up and transfiguration, they call it. It lasted for about three seconds and they're falling on the ground. But, G- but, but John, he, he, this is years later. He's almost 100 years old. But he knows it's Jesus. It, it, it was like the Son of Man. But man, is this, woo this is Jesus on steroids. It's the glorified Christ. So, it, it, it's fascinating to me. Here's my question. How in the world could Jesus ever ask a woman to live above sin without the Holy Ghost? Where are thy accusers? They're gone. I'm not going to accuse you. Go and sin no more. Wait a minute. You haven't died yet. Excuse number one. You haven't been buried yet. Excuse number two. You haven't been resurrected yet. Excuse number three. You haven't been glorified yet. Excuse number four. Holy Ghost ain't been poured out yet. Next 2. Excuse number five. Listen again with Revelation. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus. Isn't that who she's in front of at that moment? What he's saying is, you get me coupled with that discipline, and you can live above sin. I, listen to this verse. This is Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, became vain in their imaginations, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who's blessed forever, turning him to an image. We, we had a lady come here years ago, got the Holy Ghost wanted to talk to me. She, she said, "I'm the regional or, or, or leader for PETA. Do you know what PETA is, Pastor Obama? I knew what people for the ethical treatment of animals. So we go into my office. <laughs> Deer hanging over there. I got a wild pig in the bathroom. I got stuffed ducks. Missionaries gave me a snake skin from a big snake. I got horns and antlers laying everywhere. She's like going, like she got Tourette's or something. She, she, she said, you, 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 you understand what Pete is? I said, oh, yes, ma'am. We have a chapter of that that meets here regularly. You do? Yes, it means people who eat tasty animals. <laughs> I mean, what do you think these teeth are for? Salad? Animals with eyes on the front of their head are prey. Animals with eyes on the side of their head are predators. My eyes are on the side of my head. My job's to kill stuff and eat it. I am a predator. I said, Jesus ate bread and fish, he ate lamb chops. Oh no, the tender, compassionate Lord would never kill a fish. She said, that's a Greek word which means fish weed that grows in the Galilee Sea. I said, lady, I went to seminary. The word's ichthus. It means fish. He ain't lamb chops. You got that? Grease running off his chin. What is that? I'll tell you what it is. We'll hug trees and save whales. We've aborted enough kids in Canada. We've aborted enough kids in America to populate Canada. That's worshiping, serving the creature more than the creator. That's how messed up this is. I mean, are you kidding? Have a cemetery for your dog, but, but, but have nothing for your redeemer? I can go on and on. That's why the Bible said he restores my soul. I, I, I had an article. I, I, it's somewhere back in those files. These kids broke into a hardware store in New Mexico. They didn't steal anything. They just changed the price tags. And a guy bought a $2,500 outboard motor for 25 bucks. And pencils were like $5 a piece. And before they caught it, caught it they, they had to sell the motor. My friend Jeff Woodward, was in the first service, he called me a couple years ago. Boss, you got to come to Ganner Mountain right now. They mismarked the coach. He said, there's Columbia Quad Coats. On sale for $32, supposed to be $32 and 324 bucks. They mismarked it. Jeff bought them all. He did, sold them. What are you gonna do? They knew when he brought them up to the counter, mismarked, that's what the price tag is, sell them. My point is, these guys didn't steal anything. They just changed the price tags. That's what's going on in our culture. Abortion? Ah, that's nothing. You know? But staying married? you get it? We have turned cheap things into expensive things. We have taken valuable things and we've devalued them to where they're worthless in our society. Virginity means nothing anymore. Nothing. We're, asking, we're expecting our kids to be angels by this world's standards. And many of them are. And I salute you today. I, I, I got fascinated with submarines. I, I, I was on my way to Australia, 2000, when the Olympics were in, were in Sydney. And the headlines of... And I kept the newspapers for a long time until I cleaned out my office a couple of months ago. But the Kursk was a... An Oscar-class submarine. It's over 600 feet long. It's two football fields. This thing is massive. And it, it, it blew up. And it sunk in a, up, up by Norway. And they, they tried to blame it on everybody, but it was obvious they, they did it. So I got, started getting fascinated with submarines. And so I, I found the United States lost has lost two submarines. The Thresher and the Scorpion. Soviet have lost at least eight, probably more, but at least eight. And so, for a while I was fascinated with the Titanic. And if you've ever read about the Titanic, it was rediscovered by a guy named Robert Ballard. Ballard was a, 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 a used to be submarine commander who worked for something called the Woods Hole Oceanographic Society in Virginia. Well, when, when, when I heard them when they first interviewed him and he said, I was on a secret mission. My mission ended early. So I had 10 days left. And I used those 10 days to find the Titanic. I always wondered, what was his secret mission? And it's come out since then what it was. Because the, 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 uh, the, the Thresher went down first in the 60s. And then 65, I think. And then the Scorpion went down in 67. And, and they're nuclear submarines. So we've got a nuclear engine on the bottom of the ocean. So Ballard's job was to go check on the thresher and the scorpion and make sure that nuclear stuff wasn't contaminating the ocean. And so it fascinated me with, how did, how, did you, how did you know where they were? So I found out about this thing called K-128, which was a Soviet submarine that sank off of Hawaii when Richard Nixon was president in the 70s. And... The Soviets looked for days and days and days, and they couldn't find it. But we found it in three days. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they picked it up. <laughs> we stole a Soviet submarine from 3,000 feet. How many tons does that weigh? I don't know, but it's, it's a massive engineering feat. And I'm wondering... How did you find that thing? It just got declassified very, very recently. It was called SOSUS, Sound Surveillance Systems. When the Cuban Missile Crisis happened in the 60s, and we came very close to a nuclear confrontation with Russia in the 60s, the United States in the 60s spent billions of dollars putting microphones in the ocean. They literally had the Pacific and the Atlantic wired for sound. And they literally could hear every ship and every submarine in the ocean. And they had these, it's called a vector, you know. A is when you can do it from three points. So they, 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 they vectored that submarine in Hawaii. They knew exactly where it was. They'd go down and... St- Howard Hughes, you know, the the CIA contracted with Howard Hughes because there's no board of directors for Hughes tool and Hughes aircraft. Howard Hughes owns it all. So all you gotta do is deal with Howard and he's, you know. So, Howard's a patriot. They built this ship called the Glomar Explorer, pulled it, but the whole bottom of it's empty. They pull it right up in front of the Russians, right where the Russians are watching them, reach down and grab a submarine, pull it up and stuck it in the bottom of the boat. It was, it was the greatest thing that ever happened. And they say, well, a lot of it fell away. We don't know if it fell away or not, but they grabbed a submarine over a mile down there. Amazing. So I'm listening to these guys from Houston, Texas, this engineering company who built this ship and he said, well, you know, we've had a lot of great engineering feats through the years. He said, we were the ones that proved Pangea was a fact. And when he said that, man, my ears went up. Because we got, I got Bible study coming up in a couple of weeks. I don't know if I'm going to do prophecy or, 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 or creation. You know, I, I, I got a lot of things I'm toying with right now. But, but this creation thing's always fascinated me. Because... They proved, Exxon Oil proved, that South America used to be tucked into Africa. It has the same mineral components. Literally, in the beginning, it was one surface, it was one continent. But when you read the book of Genesis, it says, and then were the f- nations broken up. And it's just, and I, I, I've, I, when, when, when you read about the the, the Noah's flood. It doesn't just say it rained, it says the fountains of the great deep broke up. In the Second World War, they mapped, they mapped the bottom of the ocean. And all of a sudden, they found out that right in the middle between America and Africa, there's a mountain range down there. They have things called vents. They're still down there going. <laughs> it's fascinating stuff. They proved that all of the nations of the continents were together one, at one time, but something happened to break them up. What broke them up? The flood. When Neil Armstrong goes to the moon, we got to get us a moon rock. We got to get us a moon rock. And they got several. But what's so fascinating is the very first moon rock that Neil Armstrong picked up when they brought it back, they said, There's something very wrong here, boys. This ain't from the moon. This is from here. They said, What? This came from the earth. How in the world did something from the earth get on the moon? I'll tell you exactly how it happened. You ever shot a shotgun? Boom! That's what happened in Noah's flood. The fountains of the deep broke up. Boom! It split continents apart. It shot rocks all the way to the moon. What are you saying? I am saying... The invisible things of him, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen. If you, when when I cut my hand years ago in 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 Georgia, I I, I had this, this 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 surgeon, and and when he found out I was a pastor, he said he said I used to be an atheist, but he said when I started studying hands, I realized there's just no way that just happened, and he said now all my family were devout Christians. I read the evolution. You want to talk about faith. That then evolution people got faith. It takes more faith to believe evolution and creation. I read something in a book one time and it said it would be it would it would be easier to believe that 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 you threw a bomb into a printing company and out popped Webster's Unabridged Dictionary than to believe that we are just the the, the results of random chance. What do you say? I'm saying if you never went to church, if you never had a Bible, you ought to just be able to look at this world and go, "Whoa! There's a God somewhere." I mean, Michigan, for goodness sakes, if you can't believe in God in Michigan, I told Peyton yesterday, I said, "Come back, come back in in October." I'm. The, forget about Picasso and Michelangelo and all them guys. I'm telling you, come October, the greatest artist in the history of the universe is going to walk through the woods and go, painting that one yellow, painting that one red, going to get some fuchsia over there. To, it's it's a display of his majesty. It's saying if you, the invisible things of God are displayed by, by creating even his eternal power and Godhead. So that you're without excuse. (laughs) Listen listen to this verse. This is Romans 2. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Let, 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 let me translate that for you. It's the Ten Commandments, are not ten suggestions. Study any culture, any civilization you want to. Let me tell you what they all agree on. Everybody anywhere knows you don't mess with somebody else's wife. Everybody, I don't care what culture, you aren't you, you, you honor mom and dad. They all know don't steal stuff that don't belong to you and don't kill nobody. Those, 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 those commandments are, they're hardwired into our spirit. They are non-optional laws of civilization. And what it's saying is, these read, read Romans chapter 3. It says, What advantage hath the Jew? Chiefly in every way, because unto them were committed the oracles of God. What's that mean? Who had the Ark of the Covenant? Who's got the oldest language in the world? Who did God manifest visibly manifest his presence to? I can go on and on and on. Them Jews have an advantage. But it says when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the stuff that's in the law, oh, now we got a problem. Because when judgment day comes, Jesus Christ is going to say, listen, these people did what I asked them to do and didn't have nearly the benefits that you had, and you couldn't live by it. I've heard all my life, grace, grace, grace. uh, People have turned grace into disgrace. It's like a license to sin. The grace of God covered... You ever hear people pray, thank you for your mercy and your grace? And we think mercy and grace are synonymous. They're not. Listen to this verse in Titus. And the grace of God, which bringeth salvation, has appeared unto all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and to live soberly and righteously in this present evil world. So I I went to seminary, Bible school, whatever you want to call it. Grace starts at the cross. And and Paul talked about the dispensation of grace. Whoa, 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 whoa. I I got a verse that will just throw that thing into catastrophe. It says, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Long time before there was a Calvary. My father-in-law gave me this example and I've used it for years and will continue to use it. Here, here, read Genesis 37, story about Joseph. Okay? Chapter 39. Joe gets sold by his brothers, goes down to Egypt. He's a slave in this guy named Potiphar's house. Potiphar's a big deal. Joe being Joe because it says the whole house of Potiphar is blessed because of Joseph. I told the mayor of Warren, I spoke in front of the mayor a little while ago, for a church called Lamb, Life Application Ministries, Bishop Cass, wonderful people. I said, Mr. Mayor, if you understood the value of this church, you'd pay off their mortgage. Boy, his eyes got that big. <laughs> if Sodom and Gomorrah had a home missions church, they'd still be alive. They'd still be on the planet. All of them had have been dead, but the cities would have still been there. We underestimate the value of a church. Mike Neto's somewhere in this room right now. I just like, I don't know where you are, Michael, but, but I, I'm dealing with, with what I'm dealing with. And they get out with the clothes on their back. I keep telling people what do people do in these situations without the Lord and without the body of Christ? I wouldn't want to go through what I'm going through, and Mike came, sure his it came to pass. That's it's going we're going it's going it's going to pass. Okay, it was so beautiful, man. One it, one it, I think it was Dominic's little pal came across the street Friday night when that thing's gone. He said, "It's okay, you don't live with us." <laughs> and I went to his dad. I said, "Your kid's your heart's in the right place, buddy, in the right place." Because not only are they going to see that, but but I, I think. What, what what do people do in these circumstances when you don't have the Holy Ghost and you don't have the body of Christ? I wouldn't want to go. It's like, forget heaven. It's like, man, look at the advantage of having the Lord in my life and my brothers and sisters around me. And you think I'm not going to be a part of the church? Your day's coming. Okay? Look, look. Look at Esther. Read, read, read about Esther. It says in order for her to be the queen, she's got to go through six months of sweet-smelling spices and six months of bitter herbs. you got to go through both of them. I'm telling you, some of you are, are, are in a, are, are a sweet-smelling spices right now. But you better hang on, Bubba Lou, because the bitter herbs are coming. And if I'm preaching to somebody right now, you're in the bitter herbs, then just hang on, because the sweet smelling spices is fixing to show up. You can't be the bride of Christ without having both in your life. You you read, read the Bible. It talks about, and it's in the book of Leviticus, chapter 25. It said, And you will take the boughs of the willows. And it says they are all boughs of goodly trees. They, not the oak, no, 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 not the maple, not the but but a willow tree is known for mm, and it's, it's a great picture of sorrow and heaviness. But the Bible calls all of that, it calls the willow a goodly tree. Why? Because when I'm weak. I've never felt weaker in my life than I do today. But he's strong. So whatever goes on here today will have nothing to do with Harold. It'll be with him. Watch. Watch when Mike and Bridget and Dominic and and, 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 and Jordan, even Addie, lost her precious guitar that she sacrificed. Who knows how long to buy that thing. But but, but it's all going to come back, and you're going to be like Job. Addie, you're going to have a better guitar than you lost. You're going to have a better house than you lived in. Your boys are going to remember this for the rest of their lives. I saw the goodness of God on display in my family. I saw my mom and dad have faith and refuse to implode and capitulate. What an opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen, if you aren't part of the church, get in the church. Is an advantage to the church. I, 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 I'm really not to my message yet. I, I want you to understand something. This lady could have had all the go and sin no more. Wait a minute, we're on the other side of the cross here. I got I, 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 I have the Holy Ghost. You got me right here with you right now. And what He was showing her is you. You got me and the disciplines. Anything's possible. Gentiles got no law, but I know churches that don't believe in the Holy Ghost. But they tithe. No Holy Ghost. They just read that Bible and say, okay, if it's in there, I'm going to do it. The Bible said, God is the spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. All they got is truth. No spirit. Still disciplined in their lives. What I'm saying is, if he's asking this woman to be sinless before the Holy Ghost is ever poured out, then how in the world can you and I live right now with the Holy Ghost? Right. I've heard that word perfection. You know, it's like, what was it? Lexus. The relentless pursuit of perfection. You're never going to attain it. You're just always chasing it. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you be perfect because I'm perfect. Perfect. I'm going to mess with your theology right now, but I'm telling you, it's possible to live a perfect life. I'll prove it to you. If anyone forbid not in or if anybody, if anyone offend not in word or deed, the same as a perfect man and a perfect woman. Can you lay your head down tonight on your pillow and say, I did not say one thing negative today and I didn't hurt anybody with my actions or my words. Then just put a check he of whatever day this is, July, it was a perfect day. You're a perfect man. You're a perfect woman. I'm 30 pounds overweight, but I still intend to be perfect when I lay my head down to bed at night. Why are you saying that? I'm saying because if that woman could live a sinless life without the Holy Ghost, I can live a sinless life with the Holy Ghost. Will you please get rid of this limpers this this right. did, you, did you ever see them football game guys got the football something. all of a sudden one of these guys break out and start chasing him and 10 yards before he gets in the end zone the other guy goes it's called the loser's limp all right i caught you but my hamstring or the meniscus that's what I, it's the meniscus you know and it's just don't you be like in your walk with god That you have to sin, that you have to offend, that you have to have a bad attitude, that you have to be rotten towards your brother and sister? I, 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 ah, Jesus. The, 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 The Bible said, I have come to bring you life and life more abundantly. More abundantly. You know what the Bible, the Bible said, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can pray in the will of God. I can talk to you The the word says where where, where where's it at? It's, it says if I, I don't I don't know if it's walk or it's here it is it's Galatians 5. If you live in the spirit, you can walk in it. Do you know the Bible said you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you're gonna be witnesses all over this world? You know, the Bible said greater things than these shall you do because I go to my father. Oh, be careful, brother Hoffman. I'm telling you, I've, I'm doing something right now greater than Jesus ever did. You know why? Jesus never preached in Michigan, but I'm preaching in Michigan right now today. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost opens doors and avenues for us that were even off limits to Jesus himself. Oh my goodness! Do you know it says the love of God is shed abroad in your Holy Ghost. The sure, love, love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Now I know I got some divorced people here, but listen—if you're in this room right now and you're considering divorce, take it off the take it off the take it off the table. All right? You said you made a vow for better or for worse. You had no idea worse was going to get this worse, but here we are. What's your answer? Holy Ghost! I can't love him. Holy Ghost will allow you to love him. I can't love her. Get renewed in the Holy Ghost, sir. And there'll be a love. Not the love for God, but the love of God will flow through you to that spouse. Oh Jesus. I gotta speak Friday. And I'm asking the well there's this vote coming up Friday about a metro district. I don't know if it's going to pass or not. I personally think it will. But my wonderful brethren have asked me to be the cleanup batter. So I get to be the last speaker before the vote gets taken. Thanks a lot, fellas. (laughs) But I read something about the difference between a lake model and a river model. See, I think the problem with the church is we are adopting corporate tactics. In the corporate world... How many, how many, how many patrons can you get? You know, in the church world, we were we we were in a meeting last Sunday and people were saying, they just had all a thousand people at first church, and people were just clapping and going, I said, wait a minute, it's a lot of hot dogs and fireworks, okay? But people thought that was so amazing. Listen to me, it's like a lake. The more people we can get in the lake, that's success. Whoever's got the most people in church, that's success. Whoever raises the most, I know how to be promoted into UPC. Just get money. Problem with it is, come January 1, they're wanting what you gave last year, plus a little bit more. And I'm not knocking that. I know you got to have money. Without a vision the people perishes. And without money, the vision (laughs) perishes. Listen to me, folks. If those gauges were put up against the ministry of Jesus, then Jesus was a failure. Who had the biggest crowds? Who had the most money? Everybody left Jesus when he died. Even his disciples left him. He's broke hanging on a cross. He's got no money. He's got no crowds. That's the problem with the lake approach to church. But then there's the river approach to church. See, I preached about the ark of Noah all my life, but it's only been recently that I realized something. There's something Noah's ark didn't have. It didn't have a steering wheel. It didn't have a rudder. It didn't have a sail. That ark went wherever the current took it. Did you ever read that thing? What's it in? Ezekiel or Daniel? With the river. You wade out to the ankles. Where's that at? Ezekiel, Ezekiel 47, I think. You wade a little further, it's to your knees. But you're still touching bottom. You're still in control. It gets up to your waist. A little deeper, you're still touching bottom. You're still in control. But then it gets to where you can't touch bottom. What's that mean? It means you're going to go wherever that current takes you. That's what we're after. This is what we're after in this church. We're not after the lake model. We're going to build a new building so we can get more people in it. Or we can raise it. No, 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 This is not a corporation. This is the river model. What's the river model? Take people from point A to point B. We got to get them somewhere. The purpose of the church is to keep people who are not involved in ministry in some form of ministry to where all of a sudden it's your church, my church, first church where we're involved in the kingdom that you're not just sitting on these green benches or whatever the color of the chairs are going to be and putting a couple bucks in the plate or a tithing check and say i've done my job no 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 if you want that you go somewhere else in church this is what we're after you have a ministry what is it let's find it and let's plug you in so that you don't lose your sense of The church has no value. It has no... 60% of America doesn't believe the church is relevant. This is not Christian America anymore. Our only hope is to get people plugged in to where they're ministering to other people. It's not how many, what's our record attendance? Who cares? How many people do we have involved in ministry? How much money do... for goodness sake. What it's just? You can't believe the outpouring of love with Mike and Bridget. The stuff that's happened with Renee and I. On and on I can go. I can tell you story after story. That's what we're after. People that just say, there's a need. Wham, I can help. And start plugging in. So stand with me. So what's your excuse? What's your excuse? Pastor, you don't understand my childhood. And I don't. And I'm not saying it wasn't rotten but for goodness sakes you're a new creation in Christ Jesus I get that. well you know pastor I've always been that way you were that way before the Holy Ghost now the Holy Ghost is in you you're supposed to be a new creature please don't get the loser's limp this close to the end zone this close to the coming of the Lord and figure out some reason why you can't serve the Lord. If he expected that woman to live that way without the Holy Ghost, and I'm convinced you and I can live this way with the Holy Ghost. On the other side of the cross, with come with me around the altar. With all the Bible said who who daily daily loads me with benefits. I think of David. David His own father-in-law tried to kill him twice. His father-in-law gave his wife away to somebody else. He lost his very best friend, Jonathan. (laughs) He, he, He ends up in Ziklag. Commits, has his sin, his sin published across the nation. The child of that sin dies. can give you one rotten thing that happened to David after another, but this is what David said before he died. And I will exalt the name of the Lord who only does wonderful things. (laughs) That lady could have said, I'd like to live sinless, but you don't understand. You haven't died yet and you gotta die and you gotta leave and you gotta be glorified and there's gotta be Holy Ghost And No, he said, I'm with you here right now that's the secret. He's with us right now. Raise your hands. Let me pray over you. Pray with me if you can. Lord Jesus, I am so blessed to be alive right now. I am so grateful to to, to be in church right now. Oh, Jesus, you know how tired I was when I came here today. I was absolutely exhausted. I've never felt more alive and more energized in my life than I do right now. And it's because of anointing. And it's because of your presence. And it's because these wonderful people that are ministering to me, Lord, dear Jesus, the value of the Holy Ghost in my life and the value of my brothers and sisters has just taken on a brand new appraisal in my spirit. And I am so grateful, Lord, just to be a part of your kingdom. I ask you Lord right now that if I'm preaching to anybody that for whatever reason the enemy has magnified an excuse and it's given them a a closed case that, that they can't possibly serve you because of whatever Lord Jesus I'm convinced that you are here right now today to overwhelm that excuse and to minimize it and to make you. I know mountains are big But you said, cast the mountain into the sea. There's something bigger than my mountain. There's something bigger than my problem. There's something able to absorb my obstacle. And I'm asking you, Lord, today, right now, around this altar. If there's a home under attack, then I pray, Lord, a foundation of your word underneath of them. A hedge of prayer protection around them. A canopy of submission over them. Oh, Jesus oh god i pray for that marriage i pray for that family if i got a young man dealing with lust you said flee youthful lust i was a young man i know all about that i know the guilt the horror the horrendous of that. i'm asking you god right now to let these young men be delivered if i'm dealing with a young woman right now considering dating the wrong boy getting involved with the wrong crowd having a wrong relationship I'm asking you God right now to help us to be able to inspire them and give them courage to make the tough choice, the right choice. Dear Jesus, how in the world am I going to stand in front of your throne? and just spout out one excuse after another it's not going to fly on judgment day it's not going to work in your presence it won't work then it won't work now i'm asking you to help us to make a consecration and a commitment to serve you today with integrity and with faithfulness